The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdo. This is Chris Carlson, and welcome to this episode of the DI Guys podcast. As always, I'm here with my co-host and good friend, Mike Coggle. Mike, what's shaking in Denver today, my friend? Chris, good morning. Not a lot. Cloudy and overcast. You know, we get, I don't know why I decided I've been doing weather for a year and a half, but what the heck? It's cloudy and overcast. It's snowing in the mountains. Um, we're all hoping for a normal winter. And again, that's to put water back as we talked about last week, but everything's good. Kind of quiet these days. We don't have any major elections going on in my part of the world, not major school board issues and things. So and maybe those are important though. I don't know. But anyway, that's about all that's happening. What about you out there in the great Northwest? Well, like you said, it's uh cloudy and overcast. We're, we're hitting that, that stretch. We're in the Seattle area where we tend to get that cloudy overcast and a little bit of drizzle. So it is what it is, uh, as they say. If so you remember, Mike, I lived in Seattle. Remember that? You've lived this. Yeah. So you're at the time of year where a gallon of coffee is just about right for a day. <laughs> just about right for one day. Starbucks didn't start in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good one. Hey, Mike, the last episode we did, we talked about prospecting. And I want to continue to talk about that because I know you had the opportunity last week to talk to a group of physicians. And, you know, as you told me, you know, how that meeting went, I think there were some great learning moments for our audience. A couple of the things I want to say before you kind of tell us about it is so often, you know, people think that every doctor has DI or, or is, you know, actually bought it. And then many times they think that they're so focused on just the ONOC. But your discussion with them kind of uh, maybe what I would say proves that those things aren't necessarily always true. So why don't you kind of tell us about the meeting that you had, how you got there, and then what were the the questions they asked and what you really emphasized? Chris, I'd be glad to and and, and interrupt at any time because we all know I babble incessantly sometimes. But no, I had the opportunity to um, go meet with 20 docs a week ago uh, with a producer of mine and, and, and a pretty good friend. And he brought me in, I, I gosh, I hate to say this, I think as a prop. Uh, and media again, you get this, Chris, because if you're 61 years old and you've been in disability since 87 and you get to say silly things like this is, you know, Mike Cogno, who's, you know, 20 some years with principal here, here, here. The man's an expert. He was a corporate home office guy, ran the division, probably made me sound way cooler than I really am, which is not hard to do, by the way. But so I was more the prop to just basically talk about, you know, income protection and disability insurance to this group of physicians. And it, it was interesting because it was an open forum for it was supposed to be 10 minutes. And I was glad with a 10 minute commercial for actually my producer. But Chris, it's interesting that it turned into a half hour. And the only reason it turned into a half hour were the questions that were asked. That's where that's where, you know, I wasn't taken aback. I could answer most of these questions, obviously, without without any difficulty. But I started the meeting with at some point. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Mike Cogba, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for the introduction. Most of it's true. Some of it's not. And then we went on from there and I started the whole meeting with like I do, Chris, with everybody. Uh, you know, with a with a producer, it's always do you own it on yourself? Well, I couldn't say that to the to, to the group of docs. So I made it really easy for them and said, you know, how many in this room currently have not group insurance, 
but individual disability insurance. Individual. Chris, there were 20, 20 doctors in the room. How many people do you think had it? Boy, Mike, if you take the averages, you would think a group like that would probably be what, 15, 16, 17? Should three. hands go up? Three. Three. <laughs> I'm going to say it a bunch. That's enough. I think the audience has heard us. I, I was totally taken aback. You know, and, and, and Mike, you and I have talked about this in the past offline in terms of we assume that every doctor has it, but we know, especially as when they go through their evolution, they go to medical school, they go to residency, they go out into private practice, and whether they, you know, they join a big practice, they join a smaller practice, we all assume that they bought it along the way. But many times they just get really busy, right? And and because they're because they're moving, they're getting married, they're having kids, and they don't focus on that. And they feel many times, oh, I'm okay, I got group insurance, and they told me it's really really good, and they never get around to getting it. So, Mike, going from what I would think would be 16 or 17 to three is really shocking, but that's really interesting. But please go ahead with your story. Oh, no worries, Chris. Chris, here's what was really interesting, my friend, is question really number two was not what to look for in a product as much as what to look for in the person selling the product. And I found that really interesting. And I gave them my highlights. I said, you know, there are things that are important to everybody in a contract. And unfortunately, I said, how many of you have already been, and I'll use an easy word, how many of you have already been solicited, or as you may like to refer to it as bothered, by somebody contacting you and, and trying to sell you disability insurance? Chris, every hand went up there, by the way. So we know that every single person in this room, there was 20, had been contacted at least once. So I asked why not. And most of them said it wasn't because the producer was good, bad, or indifferent. It's they just didn't take the time to actually talk to that person. And if you're prospecting, you've got to have a reason. You've got to have a hook. And I asked them, I said, let me be the guy for a second. Let me be the guy calling you on the phone, sending you a text, or sending you an email. First thing I would say is not disability insurance, even though you are physicians and you're aware of it. I would say income protection. And and it goes on the bottom of the pyramid, or I would say something really, really like dramatic. And what I told them is I said, if you haven't been told that a future purchase option is the most important feature that you can get at a at, at a younger age, and most of these docs were, were under the age of 40, 45, maybe be the max, Chris, but it wasn't any 67-year-old physician sitting in the room. That I'll tell you. Um, and it was interesting because I said, you know, what would get you to respond to somebody? And most of them said, and this is not good for any of us. They just said timing, Chris. Some said they're not going to buy this now. They're not going to buy it yet. They're waiting. They're, you know, I, I heard an awful lot about debt consolidation, people that are in practice and they're still trying to figure out, you know, what a, what a contract looks like with joining a practice and they did. And is that part of the negotiation? So there were all kinds of doctors looking for all kinds of things. Um, and it was interesting that they just really hadn't taken the time to purchase disability insurance, knowing full well that they needed. So I gave them a few tips because again, I was a guy not doing retail. I wasn't trying to get customers. I was just trying to explain to them that one, you will own it all. All of you, excuse me, all of you in this room at some point, if you're eligible, meaning if you're insurable, and they were interested in insurable, Chris, can you believe that? That's interesting. Well, I, I guess, Mike, is we if we take a look at what's gone over the last 18 plus months in this country, maybe it shouldn't surprise me. No, and that's it. You know, there are, you know, it's, it's you know, people came up to me after, and I'll hit that in a second, just a couple, but I'll, I'll give you an example. 
they just wonder, you know, what do you mean by insurability? I said, well, as long as you're not on like super, super killer meds and you don't have colitis, you don't have lupus. And I tried to name a few things that, you know, might be a decline in today's world. Like, you know, your MS, your, you know, Chuck, Chris, you spent your entire life dealing with diabetes, correct? Correct. And if, uh, with Jeremy, your son. So, you know, you know how this works. It's not easy. Um, so I said, you don't have to answer me anything in public, but if you have questions after, please address it. But I said, insurability is going to be key. It's going to be key to your entire life. It could be one of the most important features on the contract. And they said, Mike, what's the difference between, you know, this definition of disability and what's true ONOC and REGOC? And I, you know, normally what I would say, Chris, uh, they're the same. <laughs> they're the same. And I gave them the two definitions of disability real quick. Unable to perform substantial material duties of your occupation, not engaged in another by choice, meaning you could do something, but you can't do your specific occupation. Here's how you get paid. And I won't bore the audience with that. I think they all understand it. Kristen, I did the REGOC or the ONOC occupation definition, regardless if you can do something else, but you cannot be an orthopedic surgeon, you would still get paid. And a young lady, younger lady, I don't know, who's going to be an ortho, by the way, raises her hand. And this was a mixed bag, raises her hand and goes, well, what would prevent me? And I go, well, you cut off. I go, what hand are you? And she goes, I'm left-handed. I go, so you cut your left index finger off. Could you still perform surgery? And she goes, I don't know. And I go, okay, we cut your second finger off. Could you still perform surgery? Well, I don't think so. I go, gosh darn it, we just cut your whole hand off, which obviously made everybody laugh. Now can you perform surgery? No. Okay, now you can get paid. Now, I said, now there can be confusing. And they asked really good questions. What if I was in academics and doing orthopedics? So they were trying to get deep into claims. And I, and, and the way you, you avoid that one, Chris, which I think is important for the listeners, is you know what, every question here today is hypothetical. So every answer has to be hypothetical. I'm not a claims expert, but they'll always be looking at what are the major duties of your jobs. And if your jobs are academic and still performing orthopedic surgery, that will be taken into account. How and where you make your money will be taken into account. A lot of things will be taken into account. Rest assured, the carriers that exist today, and I told them every carrier, Chris, that sells docs, everyone, and I said, and any carrier I just mentioned has a very good product. So for anybody listening out there, you are included in the good product list, trust me. And I said, so you don't really need to worry so much about that. People will tell you features and benefits over and over about a product. I said, I always look for a broker because you can actually compare and look up more than one product because some care, some guys or gals will only show you one product. And it may be because they've already done the research and the due diligence to say this is the best for you. You know, but I, what I would say is I think everybody out there and I want the audience to listen to the sales idea. Everybody out there that was listening in this audience, I said, what a producer should do for you is look at you in the eyes and say, you're an orthopedic surgeon. I will find the best product for an orthopedic surgeon that's in the market today because that's what your occupation is going to be. Would that be a good enough answer for you? Chris, what was the head nodding? The bobbleheads, as Cox says? <laughs> it was, I know that it was just up and down, up and down. Every single person goes, yeah, that would probably be good enough for me to have trust in the producer saying, that's awesome. You know, I'm going to be this kind of person. I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I'm going to be a gynecologist. And you've done that for me. They really got wrapped. Once they understood ONOC, they never asked about elimination period, a benefit period. They asked about how much they should buy. And then they asked about back to the future purchase option. Because I, because I explained future purchase options were, are very simple. You always have a period of time in which you have to exercise an option with any carrier at some point. But why you never want to let those disappear is, as you all know, Benjamin Bunn's just a movie. And for those of those, those that had seen the movie, Chris cracked up. The others just kind of looked at me blank and I explained the movie that, you know, 
<laughs> obviously Brad Pitt is born old and gets younger and life doesn't work that way. And look around and look at your parents and look at every single person you know, even physicians, I reminded them that the health conditions do not stay the same for the rest of your life. So you don't want to ever lose this feature that allows you without medical evidence, and I was emphatic about it, without medical evidence of insurability, only income-based allows you to increase your coverage. And I got to tell you, there was a whole bunch of people that either typed it on a computer or wrote it right now with a good old pad and paper. Don't let your future insurability go away and don't forget about it. I said, even if your broker forgets about it, please don't you ever forget about it. You don't want it to go away. The day you get diagnosed with a bunch of dumb things and you let that lapse is the day you're going to regret for a really long time. And they were in total agreement. And the other thing, Chris, is they all realize that they, they're all going to buy it. That was one thing. It's just a function of timing. When are they going to buy it? And we talked again, and I already alluded to this earlier about producers. And this is why you have to be persistent with a producer uh, or with a client, excuse me, as a producer to be persistent. Because if you contact them 10 times, it may be that they're not mad at you, by the way. It may be the 10th time, Chris. That's another takeaway I had. They're just busy, busy, busy. Busy people every day, just like everybody. But, you know, with what we've had going on the last two years, they seem to be extremely busy because there's a lot of conversation, obviously, about COVID, COVID, COVID and medical and protocols and everything. Um, it was interesting. They just um, were were very, very in tune with because my guy was also going to talk about financial planning and they were extremely in tune with disability insurance like they didn't say how much life insurance do i need we had that conversation it was like disability how much do i need and i said that is going to be up to you your family your significant other you as a solo however you do it some people will buy enough to pay their bills because they make a lot of money but i will tell you an awful lot of people um, spend up to the level of income that they're making. And you as physicians are not uncommon. Um, it just happens that way. But if you're really good and you live on a family budget of 8000 a month and you're eligible for 15 as long as you have a future purchase option in there somehow, that's what I say. Always keep the future purchase option alive. And if there's a minimum amount you can do that and you're comfortable with it to keep that future purchase option alive, then do that. And so we really ended up focusing a big part of our conversation, Chris, on the importance of future insurability because of health conditions. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Is, is, let's go back to the, the ONOC-REGOC discussion. In your 30 plus years in this industry, how many times have you talked to any of the carriers that you work with, the, the claims department, where they told you, hey, this is a doc who is can't do his or her substantial duties of their own occupation and has voluntarily gone out there and created another job or another career and is making greater than 25% of what he or she was before. How many of those have you run across in your years in the business? It's, again, I started 87. And, and you know why? You never forget these. I can think of an anesthesiologist that was with Provident Life and Accident, the one got another career. I can think of one dentist that became an insurance agent, two dentists that became insurance agents, and Chris, that's the end of my list. That's what I can think of off the top of my head, because these are ones you usually don't forget, right? You just don't. And that's kind of the number, Chris, for me. It's three out of a trillion. I don't know what the number really is. Yeah, Mike, the reason I bring that up is because for some reason, we've built this industry on ONOC, 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 ONOC. And the reality is that the overwhelming majority of claims are not ONOC where they go do something else. And, and, and I'm not suggesting that means don't sell ONOC. Don't misunderstand me. But I think my, my point is, is we get so caught up in that, 
that we forget other things. And so this is my my second question. And, and, and I, I would like, if you would, if you would tell us what you say to people, everybody you talk to, but especially this group, what would happen if they go to the doctor and it's the next time they go to the doctor, I'll let you fill in the blank. Chris, I actually used that. Thank you. Uh, that was within probably the first six minutes or no, we'll call it around between six and 10 of this little conversation. I said, and one of the things you all want to remember because you are physicians is the next time you go to your physician for any reason whatsoever could be the last time you're insurable for the rest of your life. That, Chris, is how I opened up with talking about future purchase options. And again, it was duly noted. I, If somebody was texting on their phone because I wasn't trying to be a hard butt, they set their phone down and listened. Because of course, you know, I say everything two or three times so to make sure that everybody gets it. So I repeated it again. And I had, you know, 20 people in the room, which means I had, you know, 20 sets of eyes, 40 eyes focusing on me at that very second when I said it the second time. Everybody heard it. Everybody paid attention. Your next visit to your physician, no matter for what the cause, could be the last time you're insurable for the rest of your life. You don't want to take that chance. So those are simple things that you can talk to. That resonated with this physician group. It really did. Like, maybe I should think about doing this. And the other thing, Chris, is they didn't go crazy on Reg Oc like we did way back in the day. They understood the definitions of disability. And of course, one astute person goes, well, if you could actually do another job and completely get paid, say I had 20 grand a month. And that was the example that he used. He used. I was getting 20 grand a month of insurance and I went out and I started a business and, and made another, you know, 50 grand a month. So that's 70 grand a month. And as a doctor, I was making 50 grand a month. Why would any carrier do that? And Chris, my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I said, I don't know. I, I've been in this business for, I don't know, over 30 some years. And it's just, that's what they've done. And I don't disagree with you. I don't know. It's fine, but I don't know. And they were almost like, I don't want to be overinsured. So, you know, those are, it's normal folks. You don't have to make this stuff. My point here as I end is I didn't make disability insurance sound better than it is. I made it sound as good as it is. In the event that you get hurt or sick, don't worry about the carriers. You have a you have a claim that's legit. You're going to get a check. You can feel pretty confident in that in, in, in our industry in that regard. And that was good enough. That and you know what? I'll find the best product for an orthopedic surgeon because that's what you're going to be. So I'll I'll do the market. I'll find exactly what an orthopedic surgeon needs, and that's what I'll build for you. And I say build because you can actually cut and piece it together, make a couple of quotes, and away you go. So it was really, it was really interesting, Chris, and enlightening. And I don't know how many people at the end, Chris, I, I might as well say this. I, I don't do retail, as you know. I don't know. There must have been seven, eight came up to me, one of my cards, which I didn't even carry business cards. I just really don't when I'm doing it, especially something like, and asked me that if I'd be willing to work with them. And of course, I said no, but I told them that my bud over here, this the retail guy who brought me in, uh, we do a lot of work together. So gladly take his card. And I think, Chris, he had, 12 cards on the table. When we left, there were done. Oh, that's awesome. Hey, Mike, I want to go back to our last episode. We talked about high tech versus high touch. But this is kind of an obvious question, but I need to ask you, what kind of engagement was this? Oh, this was high touch. Chris, this was totally high touch. I mean, I told, you know, some people have mentioned that they get solicited by technology, meaning, you know, they're sending out an email, they're sending out emails, or, you know, they're being touched some way in the techno world. I said, how much do you respond? And very seldom, I asked, how many do Google searches on disability insurance? Uh, five or six, Chris, out of 20 raised their hand. So I'm not saying that that's not effective. Five out of six could give you five sales. 
But, you know, you get two seconds to get in front of somebody, you're absolutely guaranteed to get the sale. So work on verbal skills or something that is powerful enough to get somebody to pay attention to you and set you apart. And there's a lot of things that you can do. Like I'm just all I do is, you know, what I, I I'm an income replacement specialist. I'm an income protection person. They might, you know, I'm, I'm a lot of things. You don't have to just say I'm a financial planner doing this, but think about what you want to say and then stay with it. Continue. Send something until maybe somebody sends you something back that says, I have no interest. That's a great point, Mike, because, you know, one of the, the studies that are out there is that there's something called the byline, B-U-I, and only 15% of the people are right now buyers, i.e. they're going to buy something in the next 90 days, which means 85% are future buyers. So the real money in all of our practices are in the future buyers. So if we go in there and we, like in your particular case, you and your broker made a presentation, they don't do something the next 90 days because, oh my goodness, there's the holidays. They probably got other things going on in their lives. Well, we got to stay in front of them. We got to keep putting things because it could be the 91st day. It could be the 180th day. It could be two years from now where they finally say, okay, now I'm a right now buyer. Let's get this done. And, and Mike, you and I know a lot of producers who are, who relentlessly stay in front of their prospects until what you just said, the person finally says, leave me alone. And then, then they take them off the list. But until that moment, they're constantly putting information in front of them or calling them or whatever it happens to be to try to make sure that they make the right decision when it comes to income protection. And Chris, that's the greatest point of this morning that you just made right there. Do it until somebody says, please. And it may never happen. You just may get unsubscribed or however it works. But you know what? They, I've learned one thing, or it was at least reiterated to me. They, everybody does things for their own reasons. And as you taught me 100 years ago, advertising good times, advertising bad times, but just keep advertising. And that's from your old blue card syndrome from way back in the Houston days. Uh, it still works. Well, Mike, that was a, a great example of what can happen uh, when you really focus on what the most important things are, you know, with, in this particular case, a group of doctors. So, so thanks for sharing that experience with us. And Chris, in a couple of months, no worry, I, with the retail producer I was with, let's just, we'll circle back and I will let you know how many of these people became clients. Perfect. Mike, thanks for your time today. Have a great day. Do the same, Chris. Enjoy the rest of the week.